0: Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast. This is the Coach Brendan Sir, and today is a day of excitement for me because uh, my longtime partner in Coaching You, Kevin Eastman, is our guest. Kevin just oozes with wisdom, and he is a coach's coach. And I think you're going to enjoy the things we discussed today. Uh, some of the great players that he's worked with, the great Doc Rivers, you know, and things that Kevin is doing, what he learns when he goes and speaks to groups and how he shares his wisdom and knowledge with them. So I think you're really going to enjoy Kevin. Uh, Reminder, we're at March 21 on April 2nd at midnight. uh, Early registration for March Madness coaching you discount of $349 goes out the window. Make sure you take advantage of this. Limited number of seats on July 9 and 10 in Las Vegas, but also you want to take advantage of all these speakers that we have, we've already released 10 speakers. We're going to have 15 or 16 speakers. It's going to be like nothing we've ever done before. The quality of the people is off the charts, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. But remember, you're going to be part of the VIP experience. You're going to enjoy courtside seating. You're going to have a, a Coaching You pad folio, a Coaching You Dry Fit t-shirt, all your meals with us, networking with all the speakers It's going to be a fantastic opportunity. You're going to make sure you want to be part of it. So let's listen to a couple of our great, great sponsors, and then we'll be back with Kevin Easton. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected design and upload training exercises that combine shooting conditioning and ball handling into one complete workout and instantly receive feedback on their workout allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance it is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market it's been the official shooting machine of coaching you for the last two years to learn more about dr dish log on to dr dish Basketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. Dish ball Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastCout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information visit fastmodelsports.com or follow them on twitter at fastmodel hey this is going to be a fun podcast because i'm back with my dear friend and partner kevin eastman how are you kevin welcome to coaching you podcast
1: Doing great, how about you?
0: Good, I know it's allergy season in Richmond and uh, you know so <laughs> so you know so don't, feel free, feel free to just at any time if you don't like any of the questions, just sneeze and say "Next, you know or anything like that. but uh listen, I know you have been busy, you have been all over the place, um, you know, and uh, why don't you just catch us up on some of your projects and where you're going?
1: Well, where I'm going, who knows? Um, And I think that's the fun part of it. There's so many things I still want to do um, now that I'm out of coaching um, from a full-time perspective. So uh, the last about 16 to 18 months since I left uh, the Clippers has been filled with um, speaking both to the uh, corporate side of, of things and to the sports teams side of things. It has been filled with uh, creating a program for coaches to learn how to position themselves and uh, move up in the profession and prepare for interviews. Uh, that's called Elite Training Camp. Uh, we did our first one last August. Uh, we'll do another one this August. And then uh, I've been uh, spending quite a bit of time uh, writing well depends on how it goes but writing what i hope to be my first of a couple of books and that has taken quite a bit of time and is is uh, every bit the venture that people told me mm-hmm. before i embarked on it but that i wasn't sure if they were true or not and uh in fact it it is the truth uh it is a process and it takes time and it uh it challenges you mentally so but the majority of this first 16 to 18 months uh uh, have been traveling around the country and, and sometimes, uh, overseas, uh, to, to speak to different audiences.
0: So, so 10 years ago when we started, uh, coaching you and, you know, we collectively said, Hey, let's try to do something to help coaches and help develop coaches and exchange ideas with coaches. And, you know, whoever thought we would get to this point and, uh, you know, I remember when we did it in Las Vegas our first year, and it went really great. And you and I did the entire thing ourselves, and you know, we were excited. Everyone loved it, and, I, and then we both said, "Now what do we do?" Because we we gave them everything we had, you know, and and that that kind of was uh, that was just the start of a, an amazing journey of a lot of people that wanted to participate in the process with us. And really want to help influence and teach coaches and develop coaches reflect on some of those things that we've done over the years on, on the coaching you side.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is that you give the, the hungry coaches who want to improve their knowledge of the game, uh, you give them a, a setting where they can hear from some of the best of the best and, uh, as you know more than than anyone and, and those who have attended the early years were geared uh to give them something that uh, they really don't get an opportunity to hear too often and that was from professional coaches mm-hmm. and i think all of those who maybe came to the first couple thought well gosh there's it'd be fun to listen to these guys because i see them on tv but i'm not sure i really can apply many of the, the things that they talk about mm-hmm. and i think what they found is basketball is basketball. The fundamentals are the fundamentals, no matter what level uh, you're playing at. Some of the things that uh, a Doc Rivers or a Stan Van Gundy or an Eric Spolstra uh, talked about, those things also take place even in junior high school, uh, some of the fundamentals. So um, I I thought that was uh, really important uh, to get the best minds in front of the most eager minds uh, so that they could help those eager minds uh, climb their own ladder uh, whether it would lead to the NBA who knows uh, for those individuals, but it's certainly I know that they would leave there uh, having uh, greater knowledge than when they walked in the door originally. Uh, and I thought the other part of that was to to make sure that those who did come and attended uh, the event, they saw that even at the professional level, there's a lot of excitement and uh, passion and uh, uh, lifelong learning that took place from those coaches and by those coaches, that it was okay to love a game, uh, the game of basketball. It was okay to be about, passionate about it, um, no matter what level you are. And I think they saw that just by the deliveries of the of the professional, the NBA coaches that that have spoken over the years, that they just have a a, a sincere love of the game. So those are the things that stick out to me, uh, in terms of, of the, the, the coaching you event.
0: I remember, um, don't re- recall the exact year, but we were in Orlando and, uh, we got involved in the, uh, NBA lockout, you know, and you know, whether it was 12, 13, I'm not sure of the year. And, uh, so NBA basically shut down July one and now, uh, you know, we didn't know what, what was going to happen, and uh, you had a terrific idea to invite any any, and all of our coaches in the league to come if they wanted to, you know, learn, if they wanted to share. And the next thing we know, we have 20 coaches, NBA coaches, on the sidelines taking notes like they're high school coaches. Can't wait to get enough. And, that, and I remember our friend Jay Billis was there, and he just could not believe the way they were there and attentive to learn. And I mean, this was, as you remember, this was Eric's Spolstra, This was Stan and Van Gundy and Jeff. And, uh, it was, you know, doc river. I mean, it was who's who of coaching and Terry Stotts. And, and that was so neat to see, you know, and I reflect upon that and it's just great to see the passion that they have. Like you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it's something I've been saying for 20 plus years that, uh, maybe even longer, uh, the best are the best for a reason. And, uh, that reason is, uh, they have a humbleness about them, uh, a humility about them that, that basically says, I don't know it all. Uh, I still am open and available to learning. And, uh, You know, that probably was another lesson that particular year that uh, it doesn't matter what level you coach at, you still can improve. You still can learn from other people. You still can learn from people who aren't even who haven't even achieved at the the level you've achieved at. So they're just people who keep their eyes and ears open for uh, new ways to do things, better ways to do things, new ways to improve themselves better ways to improve themselves. So, um, and it gets back to what I originally said to answer this particular question. The best are the best for a reason, and it's up to us to go out and find out what those reasons are. And one of them was found uh, that particular 48 hours that the best of the best still keep learning.
0: Kevin, Kevin, when you go out in the summer, late summer, uh, early fall, you go around to a lot of colleges and you, and you speak to basketball and you speak to anyone in an athletic program, but mainly to coaches and players. What are the messages that you're sharing with those, you know, people say, Oh, what could a pro coach ever tell them? But it's not about that. Tell, tell our audience what you're, what you're
1: sharing. Well, the biggest thing is, is kind of takes us back to the last question. Uh, Those who are playing and coaching, in the NBA uh, right now, they're the best of the best out there. So what I try and do, I I think there's a couple of things you can do when you can, when you go out and you speak, Uh, you can speak with a message that is delivered through theory. You have this theory that, that uh, maybe you've studied this theory over the last 10 years and uh, you, you present that. The second way is they have speakers out there who have beliefs like, I believe this will work. I'm not sure. I've never really tried it myself, but I believe it will work. I put a lot of thought to this. And, uh, and I'm in, I'm not in either one of those categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do is I go in and I speak from reality, uh, actually living the things that I speak about to the players and coaches, uh, having gone through it, uh, the grind of the, the, the everyday journey to try and win a championship. And uh basically the, the theme is uh look, I had an opportunity and a tremendous experience. I was very fortunate to uh coach uh on a staff that, that won an NBA world title and also was very fortunate to coach on a staff that lost an NBA world title because there's equally powerful lessons in 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 both scenarios. So, what I try and do is simply go in and, and uh give them real life stories uh things that actually happened uh and then make sure they they understand the lesson behind the story and uh and how they can apply it to either their game, their life, their career uh or in a coach's case their job.
0: I think this is really key young people our friend dr Tim elmore uh you know millennials generation X, Y, and Z and I, Y generation, you know, he talks about young people, the 18 to 23 year olds, which, you know, we, we work with a lot and how do you, or how do you recommend coaches connect with that age group?
1: Yeah. Well, for me, uh, I probably am different. I, I don't see all those different groups. Uh, and I don't really, uh, Pay too too much attention to the groups, but I pay a tremendous amount of attention attention to the person in front of me at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, it's it's a, it's it's a a good chunk of the elite training camp that I run in August for the the coaches who are trying to move up in the profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to learn uh, how to build and or strengthen relationships because. It's not really about networking. Networking is only a number. I've met John. I've met Bill. I've met Sally. I've met uh, Sue. Well, that's tremendous. You met four people, but do you have a relationship with those four people? And you have 15 players. That's great. Do you have a relationship with them? Because the tougher the circumstance, the tougher the message, the tougher the truth it can only be delivered and received if there's a pre-existing strong relationship uh, that was built prior to those tough messages, those moments of truth in a game where you may have to really tell a hard truth to a player uh, or an employee, for that matter, in the corporate world. So for me, it's uh, uh, really delving into and, and, and um, you know, this is this, this. is part of the book that I'm writing as well. Uh, it, I, I never cared about what made a, a person tick. That wasn't ever, ever, ever important to me. I know it's important to a lot of coaches. And I know just going around, I think I spoke to 60, 65 companies this past year. And I know with their leadership teams that I was in front of, it was important to them. But as I said to them, to me, it it doesn't matter what makes them tick, but it does matter what makes them talk. Because if I can get them to talk, I'll figure out what makes them tick. And uh, then I take it from there and try and, uh, uh, through the strength of the relationship, uh, educate them on how to change their tick, if you will. So for me, it has... It doesn't have as much, and I understand the differences in the generations, and I've done some reading on it. But it's that person at that moment, in that situation, uh, in that year, that's in front of me right now. and uh, Because ultimately, we're trying to create buy-in with all the people we work with. Mm -hmm. And the only way to create buy-in, it starts with with, uh, the strength of the relationship. You know, you've seen some hard messages during timeouts in the NBA and in college basketball since we're in basketball season. Mm-hmm. And the, with the best coaches, those messages, they actually are received. And when you go out and watch them the next few possessions, they are acted upon. But that's not as important as the fact that they, they – they were allowed to be received and acted upon because of the strength of the relationship that was built the previous four, five, six months, two years, etc.
0: Hey, Kevin, uh, let's. I'm trying to decide whether to which way to go. I'm so. You're, I want. I'm going to go where your where your statement said. Um, Doc Rivers, okay. I'm fortunate enough to have drafted him, coached him for eight years, and. Uh, loved him for another 20. Uh, talk about the experience of working w- with my friend, who is was a terrific player. People don't realize. Doc Rivers was a fabulous player for 13 years in the league, an all-star player in a- 1988, uh, but has turned into a magnificent coach.
1: Uh, talk about that. Well, I think the thing that separates Doc is his ability to – Build strong relationships, which allow him to send strong messages. And, uh, the other thing that we've learned, uh, uh, with Doc is, look, every coach can't coach every player. And everybody used to think that, uh, well, you know, Doc can, can deal with any player. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case, um, uh, because we're all different. But what I learned from, from doc uh, that has really helped me in, in my career uh, is number one, how to, how to deal with people uh, outside of the bright lights, because in order to send those tough messages, when the lights are on and the TV cameras are on and you're playing in a a game seven, that's televised all over the world in order to send those hard messages, there, there has to be a lot that took place prior to getting to that day, that moment, that game. Mm -hmm. So, that's number one. And it's, it's simply done through, uh, genuine, sincere, truthful, uh, conversations, dialogues, uh, discussions, uh, with people. Uh, he has a, a great way of getting you to feel like you're really important to him at that time in that moment. And I think that's a trait that, that all successful leaders have. Uh, I guess you can call it charisma. I don't know if that's the case, but he has this genuineness uh, where he, he brings you in and you become uh, a part of him. The other thing that that uh, I learned from Doc is uh, he's a willing sharer. He shares uh, his wisdom. He shares his knowledge. Um and you know, his basic philosophy, I guess I've never heard him say it this way, but this is my observation from being with him so long is that he doesn't really care if you know what we're doing because you won't know how well we're going to do it and you won't know when we're going to do it. So we still have those cards in our pocket and, uh, if you will. So, um, and, and then the other thing that I, that I noticed from Doc is he has an intense concentration level, uh, Relative to reading people, uh, he really focuses in on each player as they come into the breakfast that morning, as they walk onto the floor for the practice that day, as they are, are, uh, uh, executing a drill at that time. Uh, he's, he's able to focus his lens to a greater degree than many others. Therefore, he has a great read. Of, of what's going on uh, with the player at that time. And that's important in any leadership role, to know, to really keep a pulse and a gauge on where your people are uh, mentally and physically uh, because that will determine, you know, what you do with them that day. So, uh, and then, you know, the, the, the basic thing that makes it all work, that makes it all work, is that he's a good person. Yeah. He's a humble person. Um, you know, he has the confidence that he knows a lot, but he has the intelligence to know that he doesn't know everything. And I think that's important.
0: Very much so. Now, I thought what made your Boston teams, uh, really amazing and probably we could do a, a, you know, an hour on your clipper players too, but, uh, the, the, the characters in Boston, I thought were so unique, um, you know. Give me uh, something about that made Kevin Garnett unique to you that you saw, hadn't seen before.
1: Yeah. And it, it's interesting because uh, in my book, uh, Kevin is a consistent part of the book because when I get the, when I do all this speaking all over, both in the corporate and the, the, the uh, sports world, I always get the question, uh, "Who was your favorite player?" Mm-hmm. And though I have a couple, I, if they they hold uh, hold me to just one, I always say Kevin Garnett. And the main reason is he never demanded anything from others that he wouldn't put that same demand, if not a greater demand, on himself. Um, and he was a very giving person. I like, can remember one time in Miami. Uh, it was, uh, during the playoffs and we had, uh, we might've even had two days off. So I had gotten done my work, uh, that I had to do for, uh, prep and, uh, was actually just doing some reading, uh, out in the shade outdoors of the hotel, not too far from the pool. And he walks by and you've seen me. I got all these newspaper articles, magazines, to, uh, torn out, uh, to read, you know, sometimes it looks like a, a an organized chaotic mess. Uh, when I'm doing my reading, um, but he walks by and he says, uh, uh, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm reading. And he said, yeah, I know, but what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm reading. And he said, no, 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 you don't get, why do you have all that stuff? Why don't you just get an iPad? Well, at this point, the iPads may have been out like four days, right? So Kevin's probably got 20 of them. Uh, he, he just, he just knows how to get things done. So I said, well, you know, I, uh, I've i tried to get one, but uh, at a lot of the stores, you're on a waiting list. So I'm sticking to, to what I've always known, to just read the articles. And uh, he looks at me and said, uh, you you got to get an iPad. And then he walks off. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, all right, I get you. So uh, we play the next day, fly back that night. I get into the office the next day. What's on my desk? An iPad. Oh, well. Kevin, this is part of leadership. You help those who maybe can't get to where they want to go right now. You help them get there. Well, I was on waiting list because I was a Kevin too.
0: Yeah, you. Were but I was long, Kevin wrong,
1: Eastman, not Kevin Garnett. Game. Right? So uh, he probably got one right off of the the, the presses, if you will. But uh, so That's great. Uh, so I asked him that next. You know, I, I said, "Kev, did did you get me uh, that iPad?" And he, he just kind of looked at me with a smirk. And I said, you got it to me, didn't you? I said, how would you get that? And he said, you just got to know the right people. <laughs> and I do. And then he walked away again. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, but that's who he is. Uh, you know, that has nothing to do with basketball. Right. But it has everything to do with basketball. Yep. Because he's going to try and help you get to where you want to go. Um, even if it costs him. So... Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. you know, I had Rondo um, in our MBPA uh, coaching program last summer and uh, amazingly gifted guy, um, you know, and I know people on the outside and in the NBA say, oh, man, this is a tough guy to coach and everything like that. But sometimes some of the more difficult people to coach are the ones that are most talented and are the smartest. <laughs> uh, it's like a gifted student in advanced placement class. You know, a pain in the ass for the teacher to teach because they know more than you sometimes. <laughs> and so uh, we were amazed at how good this guy is, and he's a natural. Did oh, you yeah. ever think, did you ever guys ever think that he might
1: be a coach? Well, we know he always could. <laughs> yeah. Um, His thing, his thing I think will be, uh, can he overcome his frustration level when others don't get it as quickly and as thoroughly as he does? That's good. And, um, I think sure you could probably put him in the category of, of tough to coach. Uh, but that doesn't mean bad to coach. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you knew that he knew uh so much about the game and about the opponent. <clears throat> and then it was just a matter of uh, going out and making sure that he did his part to um, to make sure that that he had an impact on winning uh, that night. But I mean you give him a you know how the scouting reports are uh, for the playoffs. you might have a sure a 120 page notebook that you're given to the players with everything about that opponent. He would know every page of it uh, by far. And he would know it the next day. If we gave them to you know typically, if we knew we were going who we were going to play in the playoffs, you know uh, they would have that notebook uh, immediately after our last game of the regular season. They would have the notebook on their locker room chair. Um, if we were on the road for our last game, they would have that notebook. Uh, at their house waiting for them when they got home from the road trip that night. Well, the next morning he'd know it all. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And matter of fact, he, he, you know, the joke is there were times where he would turn around and tell the other team, no, 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 they called four out. You're supposed (laughs) to be in that corner, not the one you're in, (laughs) you know? And he would tell the player where they were supposed to be. Uh He didn't call four down. He called four out. So you got to be over there, (laughs) you know? And with, With Rajan, I'm sure he's doing it to mess with their heads.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. That'll mess you up, mess the coach up for sure. What about Paul Pierce, you know, going to be a Hall of Famer, you know, know, this guy you had both in Boston and L.A. And, you know, Paul is a very unique guy and a player, I think. What made him, you know, because he's not the best jumper, he's not the fastest guy, you know, he's not the pure shooter. But what made him so good?
1: Well, he understood that uh, efficiency of his footwork could make up for the lack of speed in his feet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, he would constantly play one-on-one with guys because one-on-one really becomes a footwork thing and he would always play off of the jab step. Um, when he practiced, he always practiced shots that he would take in the game and also practice them how he would arrive there. So uh, with his step backs, you know, most of those occurred uh, around the elbows. Yeah. Uh, so he wouldn't do step backs from the corner. There's no need to do that. Uh, so he would practice the angles and the exact angle of the step back. That would actually occur most of the times with the moves he knew that he was most comfortable with. So he understood uh, the power of footwork uh and the importance of footwork and how it can make up for maybe uh a lack of, of of speed or quickness and then the other thing was he knew how to get people off balance and and create some separation uh he had an incredible shot fake and uh it was one of the slower shot fakes in in the game but he, he always got people kind of mm-hmm. off balance and because they were off balance that allowed him to create some separation because it gave him a second or two to to make his move, and then the last thing I would say about Paul is, um, he was, you know, as as U.B. Brown said, the most important thing a player can have is availability. He was always available to play.
0: Mm.
1: More times than not, when he didn't play that night, it was because Doc thought he should take a game off. He practiced every single day. He ran the treadmill almost every single day, even on game days. It was almost to the point where Doc told him, "Hey, look, Paul, you're getting on in years. You may need to cut the the game day treadmill work out." How about that, um, but you know how players are; they stick with what got them there.
0: Habits, yeah,
1: yeah. So, um you know that that kind of was just Paul,
0: yeah. And that's that's fascinating. I love that stuff. One of your favorite guys that you always talk to me about is Ray Allen and his habits and how you used to go over and you know work with him. Uh, An amazing guy, huh? As far as his... You know, that's the best in the business at what he did and yet he kept working at it, right?
1: Yeah, well, the best are the best for a reason. Yeah. And the particular... um, situation that you're talking about is uh game day. Yeah. And um myself and uh Mike Longabardi who's now with yeah. uh, Teron uh as Lewis the defensive coordinator of the Cavaliers. I wouldn't take that title right now but you know he's Yeah. Tr- yeah. 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 <laughs> but he's got it and he's there and many many other people aren't. Uh yeah. so and and for Cleveland it's really how do they defend in the playoffs?
0: Yes, but, it is.
1: Uh, It it always seems to be the case right now. What I meant is it's not Mike's fault. (laughs) That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, he and I would always meet Ray, depending on how long it took to get to the, from the hotel to the arena. But we would get there in time for him to be out on the floor three hours before tip off, not three hours and one minute and not two hours and 59 minutes before tip off, three hours. Um, And that was probably after he had already gotten in the night before and ironed his shirt himself, got his suit all prepared to what he's going to wear because he didn't only, he just didn't only play professionally. He, he, he looked professional. So, um, and then Ray would go about his, his routine and there were games where I, I contend that he sweated more in his 20 to 25 minute pregame shooting routine than some of the starters did on the other team. During the game,
0: during the game, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's the same thing as I just said with with Paul. He he did the you know took game shots from game spots and without question at game speed. Early in the year, he might start at the opposite free throw line and run just like it would be a fast break to the to the, to the three point line on our end. Then we'd throw him a pass and he'd shoot it, and he'd work his way back down to the other free throw line and do a three quarter sprint again and shoot it because he knew he was going to get those those shots uh, in a game. So, for Ray, uh I think he understood the power of repetition and he also understood the incredible power of preparation. So, like that shot that he hit uh to basically win the the, the series sure. against San Antonio, the corner 3. Yeah. You know, uh, he actually practiced backpedaling to the three-point line in the drill work that he did. Wow. So he had already been there thousands of times before. That wasn't luck. That was preparation. And that's kind of who Ray is.
0: Quickly, uh, CP three, um, you know, obviously playing just great right now, but, uh, you know, your, your thoughts on him.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he is a guy who, um, puts a, a lot of work into his game and uh, you know, you could lose in the playoffs and he might uh, be back in the facility the next day. Uh, maybe not shooting jumpers, but maybe wanting to talk about the game and, and why we lost. So uh, I think he was a guy who uh, was willing to put in the work uh, to reach whatever goals and dreams that, that he had. Uh, Chris is, uh, uh, is always almost forced into a leadership position, uh, because, you know, historically a point guard is always the leader. And, um, I think that the thing with Chris is, uh, and it's a lesson that all leaders have to learn is your message and the content of your message can be great. But if it's presented in the wrong way at the wrong time, it's 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 not even a message at all, it's not even received at all. And the whole intent of a message is to make sure it's received and acted upon. So, um, you know, I, I think everyone has things to learn in life. Uh and that may be one that, that Chris has to continue to uh to develop because the content of his messages were always on point. I mean, they were good. Uh, the information was correct, uh, the majority of the time. Uh, but sometimes you just have to be careful of your delivery to that person in that moment of that situation. Uh, but, but he definitely is, he's, he's one who has leadership skills for sure. Uh, you can tell he's put a lot of time into his game. Uh, and, uh, he's a guy who, who loves watching other teams play. He's a guy who's given back to the game. He has his own AAU program uh, where he really keeps on track of those kids. Uh, I mean, you could be on the bus and hear him talking to one of the players you know, before an important game, and we're on the bus heading over to the arena. But he's that invested in in the young people uh, that are back in his community playing for his team. So uh, I'm just really glad that I had the opportunity to observe and learn uh, from him.
0: Kevin, uh, you know, what you said about Chris, I think, is interesting because uh, in your corporate speaking, that is a big thing with people that are leading companies uh, at all levels, whether they be the director of sales, marketing, uh, vice president or CEO of the company, about how to communicate to people. Um, Mm -hmm. how How do you go about when you talk to them to get what you think is important across to them?
1: Well, I think that's one of the things, uh, I mean, you asked me, what do I speak on? And the reality is I saw that firsthand. I saw that live in a game. So, uh, so, you know, I kind of tell the story and, and for me, I know the stories are great for the audience, but yes. you know me, Brendan. <laughs> I'm more about the lesson of the story. Yes. Than the story. So I always try at the end, even though it may seem, uh, grade schoolish uh to say uh, uh now the lesson here is boom so the lesson there uh is simply that uh chances are if you've gotten the position to the position of leadership ah you you probably know what you're talking about so but how you relay that and transfer that knowledge to someone else <clears throat> that's the critical part of leadership Uh, and, and taking it even a little more granular, uh, exactly how you say it to that person in that moment at that time with that problem, that's really where, uh, I think leadership messaging, um, is you have to think about those things and that's why you got to know your people. Communication is one thing, but if you don't know the people that you're communicating to and how best they receive those messages, then it's really just words coming out of your mouth. So, uh, I would say even before you, you talk about communication, you, you, you talk about personnel knowledge. Uh, and in particular, personal personnel knowledge. The more I know about a person, like when I go around to these colleges and even sometimes in, in the corporate, talks, uh, I will get the question, uh, hey, we've got this high-performing employee, Mm -hmm. yet he or she is a jerk. How do you deal with them? Yep. And I often say, I can't tell you until I get in front of them. And I ask some, and I don't even know what the questions are going to be at that time until I get in front of them, but try and ask some probing questions to get with them. And then... You know, we're all different. So for me, a technique I often use is humor, just to try and get the person to laugh a little bit first yeah. and to relax and to maybe take the guard down. And then the other thing I try and bring in is is uh, personal vulnerability. Hey, look, I've been where you are right now. I, I, I I've had eyes looking at me saying, what the heck did he do that for? Or... Man, I don't like that guy. We've all been sure. there. So let's see if we can get you to a place where uh, it's going to be better for everyone. Most importantly, for you. Uh, uh, and then try and get into whatever it is with my messaging. But I, I I think you have to lay the groundwork first and develop the relationship first. The message is secondary to whether the primary thing is will he receive it. <laughs> So, coaching, anyway, that's my thing. Yeah,
0: coaching a team, coaching a business, or coaching your kids pretty much same skill set, right?
1: Yeah, except the kids they never listen, so I've given up <laughs> on them. Uh, no, the, the kids, I, I know I, your I, son,
0: I, and he I'll trade anytime you want. You want to give me Jake? I'll take that young man anytime. You and Wendy did an amazing job with him, trust me. You know, but that's your humor, but trust me. Folks, that is a superstar, Jake Eastman of the Boston Celtics. But uh, Kevin, when is when when might be down the road? Uh, do you think the book? We might see the book roughly. Well, I know you're, uh, you're in the process in the edi- right now. We're in the
1: editing, design, and uh, those steps right now. And the editing is a, a painstakingly slow uh, because this is where. You know, uh, you might come back and say, "No, I want to say it this way," because mm-hmm. uh, you think of that that day. <laughs> so, what what we're shooting for is uh, because I I believe probably the the single biggest reading months are uh, for all coaches in all sports uh, are probably the summer months. Yeah. Um, so. You know, some books take a year, year and a half before they're out. Um, wow! Because because I had written an entire manuscript myself uh, before I got involved with the publisher and the editor and uh, the the managing all that all those people you get involved with. Uh, I think I'm going to. The hope is that I can get it out uh, between August one and seven, that first week of August. Okay. And then uh, maybe people can use it uh, for their summer reading as they go into their school years, their seasons, etc.
0: Well, if you're going to do it for coaches, you should get some pictures in there because all of us
1: don't like to read words, but no, that's just yeah. me. That's just yeah. me. Uh, and yeah. we'll we'll keep that, it not just yet because it's still four or five months out, sure. but as we get into uh, say four and three months out, we'll probably uh, have some opportunities for people to contact us and say, hey, I want to know when it's coming out, Sure, and then we'll let them know. Uh, And they can go on my website at kevineastman.net. So if they just look up kevineastman.net, we'll try and keep them abreast. There won't be anything on the book now, uh, but uh, as time uh, goes on, there'll be more about when it's coming out.
0: And and we'll do a podcast on the book to promote it and stuff. And uh, I think I think it's going to be I I can't wait to read it. It's going to be fantastic, Kevin. I can't wait till July nine and ten when we go to Vegas again. This is our tenth anniversary. It's going to be very unique, very really uh, something that uh, you know a real culmination of a lot of things uh, with the fifteen sixteen speakers. It's we're going to blow it out big time, and I'm really excited. Can't wait, of course. So that people can hear you and all our other fantastic speakers, the great Monty Williams is. We're so excited; is coming, uh, who has an amazing message. And uh, John Gordon, our dear friend of both of ours, uh, you know, is always going to share his leadership stuff as well as some of the top coaches in the game. So, another another fantastic. uh, opportunity for folks so can't wait to see them but Kevin thanks a lot for doing this and I know all of our listeners really enjoy every time they get a chance to hear you so thank you my friend
1: no my pleasure have a good one
0: Kevin was phenomenal thank you my friend Uh, special as always and uh, you talk about uh, pearls of wisdom you just take your notepad out re-listen to it and you'll get some new stuff for yourself now uh, again, enjoy the games this weekend as we're in the sweet 16 segment of men and women's basketball. Uh, I am going to be at Columbus, uh, for our friends at fast model. Uh, and I will also be at San Antonio for a couple days. Make sure you come by our booth at each place. And, uh, Uh, Really looking forward to it. And so I I think, you know, uh, they have been, Fast Model, Dr. Dish, have been incredible, incredible supporters of everything that we do and allow us to bring these podcasts to you. So they've been with us for years, and uh, we're, we're just delighted with our partnership with those guys who love the game and do everything they can to help coaches. Okay, till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir.